up and down. That's the history of the American stock market. But there's a new player shaking things up, a hamster named Mr. Gox. That's right, a pet rodent is causing a financial stir from his high-tech hamster cage. No one knows who is behind this phenomenon, but when Mr. Gox runs on his hamster wheel, he can choose from about 12 different cryptocurrencies. And then his choice of tunnel tells his human owner whether to buy or sell. The furry guru's portfolio was up 20% since June. That's when Mr. Gox started trading. And in that time span, he's outperformed Bitcoin, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ 100. Strange things are part of life in this world. But the most shocking thing to ever happen is good news. Jesus Christ hung on a cross for sin. And believing him is a sure thing, even in a strange world. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called Come and See. Come and see. What an invitation. After the Samaritan woman met Jesus and had her life profoundly changed by Christ, she ran to tell her neighbors and said, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Her witness led to many coming to believe in Jesus. Come and see. It's my invitation to you today. Come and see that Jesus is worthy of your life and also your praise. Today we're going back to the Old Testament to look at the story of Ruth's conversion and see what it teaches us about that moment when our hearts are turned to the Lord in faith. And speaking of conversion stories, last week we looked at the incredible testimony of Lee Strobel. As you may know, Lee was a journalist at the Chicago Tribune, and he was upset when his wife came to know Christ as her Savior. So he tried to disprove that Jesus rose from the dead, even as his wife was praying for him. Ray, I'm telling you, I've checked it out. I've interviewed a dozen historians, philosophers, archaeologists. There's all these accounts of actual eyewitnesses which corroborate each other. People with zero motivation to lie. In fact, they should have lied. Some of them ended up dying for their beliefs. I'm losing my mind, Ray. And I wake up every morning and uh, I think to myself, you know, maybe today's the day. Maybe, maybe today she'll come to her senses. And she doesn't. You know, it just gets worse. The thing of it is, she's different. She's actually different. Yeah, that's what scares the heck out of me. A scene from the DVD movie called The Case for Christ, based on the real-life story of Lee Strobel. Lee's wife was growing closer to the Lord and praying for him. And by God's grace, eventually Lee came to know Jesus as personal Savior. After the program... I'd like to send you a copy of the feature film about his conversion to Jesus called The Case for Christ. We're hearing from so many people who have enjoyed this movie already, some even having viewing parties with friends and family who don't believe. This film is an honest but inside look into the life of a skeptic. But it's also a wonderful resource that shows how Christianity can stand up to the hardest questions. And I think it will grow your confidence in the Word of God. And the DVD is full of special features and interviews. So after this program, why don't you call us? 
Why don't you make your gift to this listener-supported ministry? And we'll send you right away the DVD called The Case for Christ. Our number after the program is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or head over to our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And when you reach our website, watch the movie trailer and a couple of clips from this inspiring film. And now we open the program with the group I Am They and Make A Way.
honorable proposal of marriage made it what I consider a most opportune moment. You're my best friend. Marry me. You want to get married? Sure. I told him it was the only way to get my wife to marry me. You don't even know me. I have the rest of my life to find out. A montage of movie marriage proposals. Before that, Make Away by I Am They. Here it is Tuesday. This is a series called Come and See. And we're talking about conversion. We're looking at stories of conversion from the Old Testament. I want to look at the conversion of Ruth. What a beautiful story. Four little chapters long. So beautiful, in fact, that the words she speaks when she turns to the Lord are actually used in many marriage ceremonies. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. That's Ruth 1, 16 and 17. If you're like me, maybe you've heard these words used at a wedding or printed on the invitation. But this isn't an honorable proposal of marriage made at an opportune moment, as Clark Gable quipped to Vivian Lee in Gun with the Wind. This is something even more beautiful. It's not the turning of one human heart to another. It's the turning of a human heart to the Lord. I want us to look into the story of Ruth's conversion. I want us to see what it teaches us about that moment when our hearts are turned to the Lord in faith. The book of Ruth begins with famine, faithlessness, funerals, on the heels of the book of Judges, which is so full of hearts turned away from the Lord and Israel, we find ourselves in the same time period in the land of Moab. In God's providence, Ruth follows Judges to contrast faithless Israel with Ruth, a woman, a foreigner. Ruth follows Judges, and she contrasts faithless Israel as a woman, unheard of, as a foreigner, unspeakable, and she puts her faith in Yahweh, the Lord Almighty. There was a famine in Israel, and a man from Bethlehem named Elimelech, the husband to Naomi, father of Malon and Kilian, he takes his family to the land of Moab to escape this great famine. As is many times the case in Hebrew, this sad irony, Elimelech's name, means God is my king. Yet he lacks faith that the Lord who delivered his people from slavery in Egypt could powerfully deliver his people from famine in the land. He leaves the land of promise for the land of Israel's enemies. And so Elimelech dies while in Moab. And then so do his two sons, leaving Naomi and her two recent daughter-in-laws widowed. News comes to Naomi that the Lord actually had been faithful and had delivered his people from famine back home where she should have been if her husband hadn't acted like he did. So she begins the journey home with her two daughter-in-laws. I want to read the speech that Naomi made as they neared the land of Judah and then look together at what we can learn about conversion from this story. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye. They wept aloud. And then they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. 
But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried to them? No. My daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. What realism! And what Naomi told Ruth and Orpah. It would be hard for them in the land of Israel, but there is also a lack of faith in the Lord, even a bitterness. Naomi thinks the Lord's hand is against her. She doesn't realize yet that even in the journey they took to Moab, which they shouldn't have, it's actually working out for her good. God is working out his plan, not just to bless Naomi, but to bless all the nations. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But let's look at these daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. How did they respond to Naomi? Well, Orpah made the sensible choice. She was still young. Back in Moab, she would have a future with her people. No doubt she would marry again and have a family. She wouldn't have to give up her beliefs and change her way of life. So she kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But rather than make the sensible choice, Ruth took a step of faith. And that's exactly what conversion is. When we're given the gift of faith, we make what seems like a crazy decision to follow the Lord. It's not the sensible or the safe choice, but it's the way to eternal life. Let me share some more with you. I'll start at verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods, little G. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. An amazing passage. What do we learn from this step of faith that Ruth takes? Well, we learn a few important things. First, we learn that conversion involves leaving things behind. Unlike Orpah, Ruth counted the cost and was willing to forsake her people, her way of life, her beliefs, the gods, little g, of her people, and possibly even her future though we'll see that her prospects weren't so bleak as Naomi thought, because the Lord was at work. Turning to the Lord means turning away from things we've always known and held dear. It can cost us friendships. It might even cost us our future. We're pretty insulated from that, but it's really something that our brothers and sisters around the world face every day. And it's a growing concern even in North America. Turning to the Lord also means we have to give up our false gods, whatever they may be comfort, success, cultural acceptance. We leave things behind when we lean on the Lord, loving him and following him in faith. But we learn something else from the story about conversion, and that's number two. We learn that for everything we leave behind, we gain more and better things when we turn to the Lord. Haven't you found that to be the case? If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you've found that you have more things, better things, by knowing him than anything you left behind. Like Ruth, you have a new people. You have a family in Jesus. Also, like Ruth, you have a new Lord, not false gods that can't deliver, but the faithful God 
the Lord Almighty, who delivers us from spiritual hunger and feeds us from his word. Of course, the best thing Ruth gained by following the Lord is the same thing you and I have found by faith in the Lord, and that's the saving grace of Jesus. Now, of course, this is the Hebrew Bible. Jesus isn't mentioned in the book of Ruth, but when Ruth tells Naomi that she will join her people and follow her God, she's coming into Yahweh's covenant people. She would worship God through the sacrifices, and these sacrifices would point this foreign woman to the Savior, the one who would bless all nations by his final sacrifice for their redemption. It's a very short book. I already said four chapters. I want us to look at the end of the story because this foreign woman's remarkable journey to faith is really all about Christ. The book of Ruth opens with a man named God as my king living in Bethlehem who doubted God and defected to enemy lands to escape the famine. But it ends pointing to the king of kings who, believing the father's promise, descended from heaven to Bethlehem to redeem us from spiritual famine in the land of the enemy. How does the story of Ruth end pointing to Jesus? As it turns out, this foreigner from the land of Moab, living during the faithless days of judges, figures into the great story that's all about Jesus. Ruth marries Boaz. That's a story for another day. And they named their son Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. David, of course, would become king, and through his line would be born the king of kings, Jesus, our Savior. Ruth left everything to follow the Lord, and she wasn't disappointed. She was delivered, just like you and me.
words written by Henry Light in 1824 with a modern tune by Enfield, Jesus, I, my cross have taken. Here on this Haven Today in a series called Come and See, join us tomorrow as we look at the very unique conversion of Rahab. If you're a follower of Christ, you have your own conversion story. Some may be more dramatic than others, but everyone is miraculous. For we were once blind and then we saw Jesus Christ. We were once deaf and then heard the good news in Jesus Christ. So when you look at Lee Strobel's life and the case for Christ, you see that he too was blind and deaf. He simply didn't believe. He was a skeptic. 
who could only see the facts in front of his eyes. And as you heard earlier in this program, when his wife came to know Jesus, it upset him. He really wanted to show her that the facts disproved the resurrection as well as the New Testament. Now, maybe you've faced someone like this in your life, or maybe you've asked some of those hard questions yourself. Well, when you watch the feature film based on Lee's life called The Case for Christ, you can retrace the steps he took to disprove Christianity. And you know that didn't work out too well for Lee, because in the end, the evidence and God's Holy Spirit showed him the way and the truth and life. We've heard from so many who are using this movie in churches, in youth groups, even family members. Such a great idea. Lee told me he really believes this film is a great way to begin conversations about Jesus. So I want to encourage you to call us right now, to be as generous as you possibly can. But ask for a copy of the DVD, The Case for Christ. We are a listener-supported ministry. All you need to do is call us right now at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer and a couple of clips from this film. And check out the extended interview I did with Lee on our Great Stories podcast. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. No matter who you are, what you've done, we all face this nagging question, does the Lord really see me? We believe that He's there, we believe that He loves us, but in the day-to-day ebb and flow of our lives, it's hard to experience His love and care. Hagar knew what that was like. Sarah had banished her to the wilderness. She had no food, nor water. She was ready to die. The Lord saw her alone. He entered into her life, and he gave her hope. He appeared to her, and he strengthened her faith. That place out of the Hebrew is called the Lord Sees Me, a permanent testimony that the Lord sees us, he hears us, and he loves us. Find daily encouragement in God's Word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at GetAnchor.com.